Here's what I want to do. I want you to listen to something here this morning, okay? I want you to listen to something, and we're going to talk about it, and I want you to tell me what you heard. Take a listen. There we go. Did you hear it? Yeah, you heard it? Good, see a doctor if you didn't. Okay? What'd you hear? Okay, some of you are saying, I heard an avalanche. I can see why you're thinking that on a day like today. Some of us may have heard an avalanche. Maybe some of you thought it was something else. What did you hear? Did you say fire? Okay. Fire, or then I heard someone say fireworks, maybe, I don't know. Some of you are saying a storm, okay, and let's push the storm one a little bit more. If it was in fact a storm, what aspect of the storm would you think it was? Okay, you don't actually hear lightning, you see lightning, but yeah, thunder. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow, we have just got a, a diversity of opinions on, on this one here today. So, we're hearing something though, right? Wind, maybe wind. Okay, so, so l- l- let, me, let me put what we've, okay, chaos, what does that even mean? All right? L- l- let me put our sampling on the table here today and you can feast at whichever plate you'd like. Some of you are hearing an avalanche. Some of you are hearing the roar like a fire. Maybe fireworks, even. Maybe a fireworks factory blowing up, I don't know. Some of you are hearing what you hear like in a storm, specifically when you hear lightning for the few of you here, but maybe for more of you, like thunder or, or the wind raging, and, and some of you know the sound of chaos well, and so you're tuned to that. But, but, but all of you are hearing something, and you're not quite sure what it is which puts you in very good company. Let me read the story to you today. We are in a biography of Jesus called John the last of his living apostles, knowing he was the last of the era and the last to bring a voice to who Jesus was, what he did, and what he was all about from a first-hand account, decided to put his account down into words so it would not be lost or forgotten. This last apostle called John wrote this story about Jesus, and we find ourselves in chapter 12 today. Let me catch you up into the storyline. We have just seen that Mary, a sister of a man that Jesus rose from the dead, and this lavish and embarrassing display of her affection and gratitude and love for Jesus literally throws herself on Jesus' feet. 
She takes something valuable, precious, and expensive and wastes it on him as this, this love offering, I don't know, and pours it all over him and literally gets down on her knees and starts humiliating herself by rubbing Jesus' feet with her hair. Weird, right? And immediately after this story, we see that Jesus finally comes into Jerusalem. And he comes in to thousands upon thousands of people cheering and screaming at the top of their lungs for him. Here he comes. The chosen one, here he comes. The Messiah, here he comes. The savior of the world. Hosanna, they're shouting out, throwing their cloaks in the road. Creating a path with tree branches for him to walk on and hailing them as their king. And it's in the aftermath of this that the story picks up. Let me read it to you today. John chapter 12, verse 37. Verse 20, my apologies. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast, the feast of Passover, this gathering on Palm Sunday when Jesus walked in, there were, there were people from all over. The city would swell from about 30,000 to maybe about 500,000 or something like that. You've got to imagine the size of the crowd. Now, now it says there were some Greeks there. They went up to worship at the feast and they came to Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee with a request. Here it is, sir. We would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And look at what Jesus says. The hour has come. Underline that. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The person who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name and then, hear this, then a voice came from heaven. I've glorified, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to them. But Jesus said, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. Now we've heard from the law 
that the Christ, that is the Messiah, will remain, for, will remain forever. So how can it be that you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become sons of light. And when he had finished speaking to them, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. They're proclaiming him to be the Messiah. Some want to meet Jesus personally. Some who did not come from Jerusalem. Some who did not follow Jesus' ministry. Some who are not there firsthand. You get the idea? Travelers who happen to be in, who are here in the buzz and want to see what it's all about. A chain of events is orchestrated. Jesus gets word of it. And Jesus does what he often does. He starts to speak in parables. And he starts to talk about wheat. And he starts to talk about how unless a, a, a kernel of wheat dies and is planted into the ground, it remains only a single kernel. But if it dies and plants into the ground, it bursts forth into new life and all kinds of things come from it. And of course, we're seeing in here, hopefully, an image of what Jesus is about to undergo himself. That by my death, which you do not understand, which you are not expecting, by my death, something is going to be reaped. A harvest is going to come. New life is going to burst forth. Are you following what he's doing here? And then a voice from heaven confirms it. Now, Jesus doesn't want to die. And he speaks into it. Because Jesus is honest. You and I, maybe not always, but Jesus, no, 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 Jesus is honest, sometimes too honest. At least too honest for polite company. He speaks openly about his fear, about his doubt, about his struggle, about the impending doom that he knows is coming his way. Should I pray, says, God save me from this hour? He wants to. He wants to get away. No. No, it's for this very hour Jesus says that he came. And instead he says, not save me from this hour, but God glorify your name. Glorify your name through me. Glorify your name through the events that are to take place. Glorify your name despite what it is going to mean for me. And a voice from heaven speaks and says, I have glorified and I'll glorify it again. But what do the people hear? Did you catch it? Some heard thunder. Some heard what they thought was maybe like an angel speaking. What does that sound like? What do you discern out of that? Maybe if they were sitting here today, some would say they heard an avalanche or a fire or a fireworks factory or simple chaos. There's a lot of noise going on there, right? 
but nothing is really being discerned out of what it means. I asked you what you heard. Were you able to articulate what it means? No, you heard a sound like they did, but didn't really know what was being said. Because sometimes God can be thundering at you and you still miss it. Let me explain a little bit more about what I mean today and let me share it through another parable that Jesus tells also involving seed and wheat. Here's how it goes. Jesus says, so like there's this, this guy who's sowing seed, right? Now, I, I've realized I can't take things for granted. What does it mean to sow seed? Because I hear sowing and I think taking a needle and thread, it does not mean he's taking seed and kind of like making a garment out of it, all right? I think most of you know that, but some of you don't, and you don't have to feel stupid about the things you don't know here at FOF. And if anyone laughs at you, hit them in the face, hard, square, all right? <laughs> Bam, take them down. So he's taking seed, and it's in a bag, and he's walking in a plowed field, or you would think, and kind of casting it out. Maybe you've done this with grass seed before. You put it in that spreader, and you start walking along, and anyone who has ever done this with grass seed, you know it doesn't always kind of go the way you want, and it doesn't always fall perfectly into the perfect place, and this is the same thing going on. This guy is going out, and he's sowing his seed, and here's what's happening, the exact same thing with your grass seed. Some of it's going on the driveway. Some of it's getting on the road, and the wind is blowing it away, and the birds are coming, and they're eating it up, and it's not really doing anything. It's not producing what it's supposed to produce. Some of it is falling into that area of your lawn where stuff just doesn't grow that well. Maybe, maybe the dirt's kind of shallow there. Maybe the runoff's not good. I, I don't know. I mean, I can't grow something to save my life. But you know. But some's grow, falling into this, this shallow dirt and, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's sprouting up. You're getting like that baby grass kind of happening. It's coming up a little bit. But, you know, it's, like, it's, it's just like not really doing what it's supposed to do. It's not getting thick. It's not getting full. The sun is coming and it's scorching and it's kind of getting all brown and, and, and just kind of ruined and, and unfruitful. You, you've been there, right? You, you know what I mean? Some of the other speed, you're walking along and you're pushing your, 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 your grass spreader thing or you're throwing it out like that if you're cheap like me and don't want to invest in one. And, and some of it is falling into some areas where it's kind of weedy. It's not really like the good lawn, you know? It's falling into those areas that you just kind of like Pretend don't exist. You don't really look at, you know, the thorns and the thistles are kind of there. You got those burr plants coming up. It's filled with clover and dandelions, you know, or most of my lawn. And uh, it's, it's kind of growing, but it's not really fruitful, if I can use that term. You know what I mean? Because everything else is just kind of there choking it out. But there's some others. Some of the seed is hitting like, like soil that's been well prepared and watered and taken care of and it, and it grows and it gets thick and rich. And because Jesus uses a story about wheat, he talks about how it produces this bumper crop, producing 30, 60, even 100 fold that which was planted. And then Jesus says what he always likes to say, he who has ears, let him hear. 
Don't miss what I'm telling you. Because God can be thundering right in your face and you can miss it. What we have seen with Jesus is that God can be standing right there before your eyes and you can miss it. So pay attention, listen up. That's what he's saying. He who has ears, let him hear. So he has this group of disciples, these close friends and followers that want to be like him. Give everything to follow him and learn from him and imitate him. And so they come up to him afterwards and they're like, like explain this to us because we just don't get it. Did you ever wish you could have that moment with God? Explain this to me. Have you ever read this book and go, I don't know what it means. Can you just explain it to me? You're in good company. You're not alone in that place. So Jesus unpacks it, kind of a rare move for him, and he explains what it means, and he basically says this. These different kinds of areas where this seed has fallen are like the different kinds of people we're going to meet. God is speaking. He's putting out his message. He's putting out his seed. God has something to say. God is speaking and he's blasting it out there. But people are receiving it in different ways. Some are coming face to face with the very voice of God. And it's like nothing's happening. Just like a driveway, just, just sitting there, just bouncing off. Jesus will describe it this way. It's like the devil's coming and snatching it away from their hearts before it has time to take root. He says some people, it, it kind of sticks, you know? They, they kind of get it. They kind of receive it with a certain amount of joy. But then life happens. And in the midst of the struggle and the hardship and the way that life has that, that, that uncanny knack of taking us out at our knees, well, it's like that happens. And, you know, for some people, they, that they come to hope in God, they come to dare to believe in God, they come to kind of take a step out with God, but there's no root in God. And so it just kind of frizzles up, kind of burns up. It kind of does nothing. It gets scorched by the pressure of life and is as good as unreceived talks about another kind of group of people. Jesus' words, not mine. He says there's other kinds of people who receive it as well, but it kind of goes different. It's, it, it's, it's not so much that life is frying them. It's not so much that life is taking them out at the knees. It's not so much that, that the problems and struggles and, and trials and tribulations and temptations and whatever other biblical word you want to get of this world come their way. Mm. No, some people just love love their lives a little too much. They love their stuff. They love their dreams. They love their families. They love their future. They love their jobs. They love their vacations. They love their, you fill in the blank, you get the idea. It's like, you know what, that stuff, it's like a bunch of weeds. It looks good, but all it's doing is choking you out. And so anything God's trying to do in their life, it just really doesn't do much because they're more interested in the weeds of this world than 
than the wheat that God is trying to plant. And he finally goes on to a fourth group and he says, but you know, some others, they receive it. They receive it and they give their lives to it. They receive it and God does something amazing in them. He works something in them and through them, a life in them that is 30, 60, 100 times that which was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Now for years, I always thought that this was describing four distinct groups of people. It seems to be a little bit, if you read it from one perspective, how Jesus sets it up. It's a reality statement by Jesus. You could take whatever warning you want out of it or encouragement for that matter. But Jesus lays it out there as a reality statement. This is just simply a reality of the way it's going to be. People are going to read the Bible. People are going to gather in churches. People are going to hear about God. People are going to experience God. People may even hear the heavens thunder and the voice of God speak from heaven itself. People might even stand face to face with me and they are just going to receive it in different kinds of ways. And that has all kinds of consequence. Some like this, some like this, some like this, some like this. But I want to submit to you that the way Jesus uses this parable in John has something slightly different to say. And if I can hijack that same parable of the, the sower and the four seeds and interpret it through the message that John is trying to bring, I think this is the message he would have to say. All of us, all of us face everything and those four different kinds of dirt. All of us find ourselves in all four camps when God has something to say. Go with me on this. I used to think, man, those people who were like the good lawn or the well-tilled dirt, who produced the bumper crock, man, lucky them. Lucky them, why did they get so lucky to get chosen like that? Man, those poor fools who are the driveways. And I don't mean that as an insult. But those poor people who are the driveways, man, why couldn't they get lucky enough to be like this kind of person over here? I don't think that's the message John is bringing. I don't think that's what God has to say. Everyone has the word of God robbed from their heart. Everyone comes into contact with the voice of God and has times and moments when they have no idea what it means or what he's trying to say. All of us face the daily pressure of forces in this world trying to sabotage our lives from responding to God. All of us, including the people who in the parable are the good seed or the good dirt in which the seed is planted. Likewise, all of us are cooked by life. It's not just some people. All of us face pressures in life, trials in life, struggles in life. From the surface, some might seem bigger, some might seem smaller, but be very careful of judging someone else's struggle. You don't know who they are. You don't know how they're wired. You don't know what they're going through. Sometimes what appears to one person is small is cataclysmic in the life of another human being. And everyone is being cooked by a world 
that is trying to fry them and take them out at their knees. I don't have to explain or prove that to you, do I? All of us are tempted in life. All of us love this world. Whether you're rich or poor, this world is filled with some really cool-looking weeds. And we wrap our lives around them. How can you not? We wrap our lives around them. Everyone faces this struggle. The message that Jesus is trying to bring is simply this. Stop whining about what kind of dirt you are. Whatever plot of dirt you find yourself in, just respond. To me, stop using weeds as an excuse. Stop using thorns and thistles as an excuse. Stop using the baking sun as the excuse. Stop using the birds as an excuse. Are you following the metaphors I'm using here today? You can be this kind of dirt. But are you going to accept or reject? Are you going to respond or harden to what God has to say because I promise you this, when God speaks, it will always be one of the two. There is no such thing as a static life before God. When God comes into contact, it affects you. Now many of us spend a good part of our life shielding that, buffering that, diffusing that, rationalizing that, keeping it at bay, keeping it in a safe place, putting it in a box, and doing all other kinds of things. We who call ourselves Christians have become masters of it. But Jesus' question remains. How are you going to respond when God speaks to you? Are you going to let it be snatched away? Are you going to woe is me before the son of this world? Are you going to spend your life focusing on the weeds that surround you? Or are you going to respond to what God has to say? Because let me say it again, God can be standing right in your midst. And you can miss it. God can be literally thundering from heaven. And if you are not receptive to what he has to say, you can miss it. I think of God's message. I think of God's spirit, almost like radio waves, bombarding the atmosphere. Could you imagine if we could see the full spectrum of light, if we could see all things? How many, how many signals are being bounced around this room even as I speak? Do you have your cell phone on or is it in airplane mode? How many signals is it sending out? How many signals are coming from all around as we speak, bombarding this geographic space? But if we're not tuned, we miss it. God can bombard you with his word. And if you're not listening, you'll miss what he has to say. So he who has ears, let him hear Jesus has to say. Jesus' heart is for people, all people. And this is why the sower goes out with his seed, spreading it haphazardly in every single place. It's for the Jews who welcome him in Jerusalem. It's for the Greeks who are just getting word. 
God's heart for people is so great that Jesus himself says, lift me up, God, glorify your name. Bring life to them at my expense. Bring hope to them, to the glory of your name. It's the message of the gospel that's been going out for 2,000 years. It's the heart of what Jesus has to say. But the million-dollar question to John is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to focus on? Where are you going to give your heart? What excuses are you going to raise up? How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to what God has to say? The end of this chapter is depressing. Listen to it played out. True for them, I believe true for us today. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. John goes on to say this was to fulfill the words of the prophet Isaiah. What the prophet spoke once long ago is certainly true. Lord who's believed our message. <laughs> to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, John says they could not believe because as Isaiah says elsewhere, it's like God blinded their eyes and darkened their hearts so they could not see with their eyes and understand with their hearts nor hear and turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said this, John writes, because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, Many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. And so Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into this world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world but to save it. No, there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words that very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, Jesus says, but the Father who sent me commanded me. He commanded what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. And it is the last words Jesus will speak to the masses. We take for granted that God's word will always be there, that God will always be there to say the next thing so the urgency is lost. I'll do what I want right now and maybe go into that dirt pile later. It's not what Jesus says. It's the final time God's word thunders from heaven. The final miraculous sign. The final voice, voice spoken by the lips of Jesus himself to the crowds. 
There's nothing more to say. Sometimes I think we're waiting for one more thing, for God to convince me, to lure me, to allure me, to seduce me, to woo me. At what point do we arrive where God has said all he is going to say? The question and onus is not on God anymore. It's on you and me. How are you going to respond to what God has to say? Because the answer to that question makes all the difference in regards to the life that Jesus is talking about that is found in his name.